Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and then Wednesdays for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. Podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, uh, Burberry, and uh, Amazon Music, and many other locations across the internet. And we are also streaming uh, uh, at those times, as I mentioned earlier. But we are also on YouTube, where you can watch these interviews. And we do have channels on SoundCloud as well as YouTube. We hope that you will either subscribe and or click the notification so that when I do post a new conversation, you will, uh, you'll be notified that, hey, there's something new to listen to. And I hope that you will. We also ask that if you can support the work that we are doing financially, we'd greatly appreciate that. We have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. When you go there, they're going to ask you to whom you are going to support or who you're going to send the funds to. Well, put in my email address, richard at richarddugan.com. And one other thing, would you spend some time during this, the decade of perfect vision, and spend some time going within to that quiet, still, calm, peaceful place? And listen to that still small voice. I think that it will behoove you, especially in the context of what we're going to talk about today. Um, and today we're going to talk about deep fitness. That's right, deep fitness. And it is a book as well as a program by Philip Shepard and Andre Yakovenko. Did I pronounce that correctly, Philip? Right on the money, absolutely. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. I I, I find it uh, the height of disrespect when uh, interviewers butcher a guest's name and uh, don't uh, don't make an attempt to try to get it right. Yeah, uh, I and I could have asked you before we started, but I'd been practicing and practicing and practicing, and I thought, okay, I've got it now. Uh, I was interviewing a, a Swami not long ago. And um, outside the ashram where I was going to go into and set up my equipment, interview this gentleman, uh, I practiced and practiced. And I want to welcome you, Swami Vidyadishananda, to our program. <laughs> and he was rather impressed, and so was I, that I got it right <laughs> the first time. So, uh, Philip, it's nice to have you with us, Philip Shepard. Uh, you um, and uh, Andre have uh, written this book and put together this program uh, to help people in regards to, again, uh, this, this concept, uh, as, uh, as we just alluded to deep, uh, deep fitness. And, um, you, uh, happen to be the founder of the embodied present process, a trademark thing, uh, there, uh, tell us a little bit about that before we dive in to deep fitness. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to because it it's a part of deep fitness. Um, it's really deep fitness is really my work and Andre's work kind of dovetailing together. And um, the embodied present process really seeks to counteract practically, so not theoretically, but practically the way we tend to live in our heads. And we've been instructed to do that. And we think, well, that's where the brain is. Of course, that's where I'm living. And, and the body teems with intelligence. 
And if only we could drop down to that intelligence, we wouldn't stand apart from the world as we tend to now. We would find ourselves harmonizing with it instead. And so I've got 150 practices or so that that help us do that because it's it's not a it's not a quick or an easy thing because we've been living in our heads for 2000 years you know plato describes the head as this divine sphere that the gods created and then they realized it needed a vehicle to get around so they grew it a body so so 200 no 350 bc the the body is being described as a mere vehicle and the head as the divinest part of us and and Mm. my work is really bringing us into something else and that is an area that of course we talk about on a regular basis is that divine aspect to us Mm -hmm. Uh, as as i mentioned just a moment ago about uh, people spending time going within to listen to and some would refer to it as the divine That still small voice that can guide us uh, through from one day to the next, believe it or not. Uh, I know some people don't necessarily uh, agree with that. And I understand that uh, because they have been taught as I was at a very young age. I mean, I was born and raised into the Catholic Church and we were told that, you know, you go to the priest. And uh, and I did. I would go to the priest and I would ask uh, certain questions and even even into my 20s, 30s, and 40s, I was still asking the same questions. Uh, and I was grateful that the clergy that came into my life were honest with me. I mean, even though they certainly had to continue to uphold the doctrine and dogma that they were supposed to, in private moments, they would be honest with me. I, I, I still remember uh, asking the question of uh, these the crucifixes, for example, you know. And I remember reading from a hist- an, an historical perspective, uh, crucifixions uh, were the uh, not only the the utmost of pain, but also of shame because they would strip the person naked. So I asked my uh, I asked the Monsignor at this one church. I says, "Why? Why is it that we're unwilling?" to tell the truth. I mean, isn't it the truth with, you know, you, you shall know the truth and truth will set you free. And why is Jesus not naked on the cross? I mean, that was the ultimate indignation. And you know what he said? He says, because we don't want to upset the sensibilities of the people. And I thought, wait a minute, you mean the sensibilities of the people is more important than the truth. So we want to talk about the truth when it comes to fitness and wellness uh, by the way, that's another phrase uh, that we want to talk about, too, because I think what you and Andre are doing isn't just going to help with physical, uh, but also with mental wellness, mental health, not men- not what you might think of. They're talking about, uh, uh, well, we have for the last couple of years about this new epidemic uh, of mental illness. But I don't use that word. I, I or phrase. I talk about mental health or mental wellness talk to us in terms of the impact on one's mental wellness and this deep fitness in terms of getting the body to a place that functions as optimally as one can get it to function i would be delighted to uh, and 
I mean, just just to refer for a moment back to that still small voice. In exercise, that inner calm can move you forward through the exercise. And that's one of the things the book talks about at length, rather than sitting atop the body the way you'd sit on a donkey, beating it to go harder. You know, exercise becomes suffering, you know, do this for your own good. And that's not what this is about at all. So there are, there are several revolutions that have happened in, in the paradigm of exercise and wellness. And, and it's, you know, researchers are intimately familiar with this, but it just hasn't permeated the, the popular consciousness. One of these is a completely new understanding of what fitness does. So 1968, Dr. Kenneth Cooper, who was like consultant to NASA on highly respected, published the book Aerobics. And the word aerobics is one he made up. And this book, you know, his book sold 30 million copies. And I, I remember the effect of that. And what he was saying is that the most important part of fitness is cardio. Cardio strengthens the heart and the lungs. That's your main goal. Um, this is accomplished through anything from, you know, walking to biking to swimming to running. And the more you do, the healthier you'll get. Every one of those premises has been debunked. And, and just to honor Kenneth Cooper, you know, he's a scientist and he has recanted, but, but you know, that doesn't get nearly as much airplay mm. as his original premise. So we think to get fit, you have to go running. Well, here's a little study that, that um, we talk about in deep fitness. They, they got a set of participants to um, train on stationary bikes for a month. And they would come in three or four times a week. And before the training began, they measured the, it's called the VO2 max, the, the ability of the body to utilize oxygen. And they measured that at the end. The, the peculiarity in this exercise is they had the participants train with only one leg. So the same leg for the mm. entire month. And sure enough, when they measured the VO2 max on that leg, it had increased. Their cardio ability to take up and utilize oxygen had increased. But when they measured the other leg, there was no difference. So, so the adaptations in the body weren't happening in the heart and the lungs, or it would have showed up in both legs. The adaptations were happening in the muscle itself. Mm. And, you know, another, another kind of interesting thing in, this, in the same ballpark is there was a study done with 1,400 firemen in Ohio, I think it was, longitudinal study. And what they were looking for is, can we identify a predictor of cardiovascular health or or trouble today that will show up in 10 years mm. and and they did the treadmill test which is the standard test one does um, to measure cardio fitness and they also kind of as an afterthought 
ask the participants to do push-ups. How many push-ups can you do? And at the end of the study, they had all this data to crunch. And it turned out that the number of push-ups a participant could do was a more reliable indicator, the most reliable indicator they had of any future, future cardiovascular event. And you think, how, how can, how can push-ups trump the treadmill test? But I mean, it's what they found. And what it points to is our, this is the second revolution, our understanding of what muscle is and what muscle does. Mm. And, you know, we've always known muscle is there to move us around and that's sort of end of the story. But but it, what they found recently, and I mean recently in the past 15 years, when muscle works, it creates messenger molecules called myokines. The stronger muscle is and the more intensely it works, the more myokines it produces. Myokines, and there are over 600 different kinds of myokines that the body produces, they go through the whole of the body and promote health in every tissue, every organ, bone mineral density, organ health, everything. And so for years, researchers had been looking at the global effect of exercise. You know, you go for a walk and it, it affects, you know, the health of the entire body. And why was that? Myokines turns out to be the answer. So muscle has two primary functions to move us around and to keep us healthy when it works. So muscle is, and this is, this is hard to, to overstress, muscle is the bedrock of metabolic health. If your body is strong, the, the, the global health of your body is supported. And then, you know, you, know, you think of aging and, and how that looks and you know, people falter and they hunch and, and they move slowly. And every, every marker of aging is, is indicative of a lack of strength, of a weakening um, muscle structure. Mm. And it turns out, you know, there, th this is another part of the, of the revolution that's been happening. There's a condition called sarcopenia. Sarcopenia is the wasting of muscle with age. And that happens with a certain inevitability. I mean, when you're 90 years old, if you get that far, you're not going to be as strong as you were when you were 25. But, but sarcopenia can be reversed. It can be slowed down. It can almost be arrested. So I've been doing this workout at Andre's gym new element training for five years. I turned 70 a week ago. Wow. And, and, and Richard, I'm, I'm still getting stronger. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, it, my hope for this age would have been, you know, maybe I won't be getting, maybe I'll be able to, to maintain my fitness, but, but, and, and you'd expect after three or four years, to plateau, but it hasn't happened. I'm, I, I'm getting stronger and stronger, even to this day. So, so the, the possibility 
of reversing sarcopenia, the possibility of getting stronger, of building that metabolic foundation for your health, doesn't matter how old you are. At any age, it can begin to happen. Mm. And with the, with the form of exercise that, that we present in deep fitness, there is no more effective approach to getting stronger. And it only takes half an hour once or twice a week. We are talking with Philip Shepard, who is the uh, co-author, along with uh, Andre Yakovenko, of uh, the book uh, Deep Fitness. The website is deepfitness.life. That's right, deepfitness.life. I love the fact that they've opened all of that up because now people can tack on uh, whatever um, dot whatever they want. And it's uh, very, very cool. And you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we're talking with Philip Shepard, he's the co-author, along with uh, Andre Yakovenko of uh, Deep Fitness. We're talking about this uh, a wonderful new uh, way of looking at fitness. And you, you have mentioned something that makes perfect sense to me from a logical standpoint, and that is uh, the, the example you gave. And I have to wonder if these people for one month only using, let's say, their right leg to paddle, they must have been limping at the end of that month because they weren't uh, really exercising the left leg or, or vice versa. But it makes perfect sense to me that the push-ups would be a greater benefit than the bicycling. Even though I will tell you that from a very early age, I've been, I was bicycling up until I was 38 when I finally got my driver's license. And I I loved it. It was it was great fun bicycling everywhere, but there was a little bit more to it. When you're sitting at a stationary bike, you're not dodging and trying to avoid getting hit in those kinds of things. Um, but um, it it just makes much more sense because you're using more of the body. I mean, you're using the upper arms. You're using the arms, of course, but you're also using the other muscles all the way down through to the feet to keep you suspended above the ground as you push up and down and up and down and up and down. And I've heard this business about, you know, cardiovascular. In other words, I need, I love walking by the way. And, and anytime my knees or my ankles or what have you would be hurting, I would be so frustrated that I could not go walking and I can walk from the station I work for down to the beach in 20 minutes. And it's a good couple of miles. But it's a great walk because, well, first of all, I'm walking towards the beach. I love being by the ocean. Let me ask you, uh, between you and Andre, um, how you came upon this this uh, uh, concept and this program, this training program that you have put into this book called Deep Fitness that is also available through your website, deepfitness.life. Yeah, I mean, our legacy, so to speak, uh, goes back to a guy, Arthur Jones, who developed Nautilus. So he's the, he was the guy behind Nautilus. Oh, okay. And, and he, he proposed a radically different way of, of getting strong, which was to move, you know, in a, in a machine, to move against the resistance slowly, and you don't count reps. What you do is you time how long you're under this load. 
and you continue going until you reach what's called the point of momentary failure. So that's where you, you, you can't push the weight anymore. And in fact, you can't even hold it. The arms just go down by themselves. And he, he found out that if you, if you take the muscles to that point, the body gets the message that the environment is presenting challenges that we're not strong enough to meet. And it rallies its resources to remodel that muscle and make it stronger. So there's not even an advantage to doing a second set or a third set. Mm -hmm. If you get to failure, that's all you need. And that only takes between ideally a minute and a half and two minutes. So you can see how in 30 minutes, you, you know, when, when an exercise only takes two minutes, you can, you can move through all the major muscles of the body and bring them to that point of momentary failure. And our legacy moves through Arthur Jones and um, there's a book called Body by Science by Dr. Doug McGuff, who, who takes that legacy and gives it a new shape. It's a brilliant book. And Andre found that book. Now, this book claimed that you could do a workout for 12 minutes once a week and get stronger. And Andre has a scientific background. <clears throat> and he thought, you know, this guy seems credible, Dr. Doug McGuff. Let's put it to the test. So he got a few friends and they made this commitment once a week for a full year. They were going to put it to the test and see what happened. And, you know, the results were ast astonishing. The, the increase in strength in that small time commitment. Um, so Andre sort of got excited about, I mean, his feeling was everyone should know about this. Everyone should have access to this. So um, he left his job as a geophysicist and opened a gym and started training people. And one of, one of the people he trained um, was a film director who knew me from LA and he was in Toronto shooting a film where both Andre and I live. And he popped into Andre's gym and, you know, you poke, poke in the door of this gym and there are no video screens, there's no music, there are no mirrors, just this quiet. And he started doing the workout and he said to Andre, you know, what you're doing here, it's really a mindful practice because it's so slow. And Andre sort of said, well, tell me about mindfulness because he didn't really know about it. And he started doing research about mindfulness and, and got more and more into it and, you know, thanked his friend later on for introducing him to it. And he said, oh, well, you know, if you're into mindfulness, you should get in touch with Philip Shepard who lives in your city. So I got an email saying, you know, I, I, I have a gym and a special workout. I'd love to introduce it to you. And Richard, I've never, never enjoyed gyms in my life. I've, mm -hmm. I've been fit all my life, but not through gyms, but I'm up for anything. And I went in and I loved this workout. I was more alive doing this workout than I'd been in months. And I sort of became addicted to that. And I'm still going there. What's the biggest difference between a regular gym and the experience that you had? Was it the machines, the exercises, the motivation? 
um, the atmosphere, the ambiance, the, the color of the paint on a wall. <laughs> because, again, all of those elements can make a difference in one's experience at the gym. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so it's, it's a combination between the gym itself and the workout that is exclusively done there. So the gym has MedEx machines. These are like made in Germany and, and they adapt to fit your body perfectly. So what they enable you to do is to target a muscle group very specifically and bring it to failure. Um, otherwise, you, you know, if the machine's not supporting you properly, you begin to overcompensate with other muscles. So the machines are a dream to use, and there is this quiet to the gym that is supportive of the meditative approach. And then there's the workout itself. Um, it's intense. Now, some people refer to the workout as a form of suffering. In fact, it's commonly known that way. But, <laughs> but my feeling around that is if you're in a state of division where you're sitting in your head, demanding your body go harder and harder, willing it, um, that, yeah, that, that's suffering. You're divided against yourself. You're in self-conflict, um, trying to make something happen. So, so coming from my background, which is really about embodiment in a way that our culture doesn't easily understand. I mean, we, you know, we think embodiment is is about listening to the body. And you think about that metaphor. And I mean, if you're listening to the body, it's like you're sitting in your head and there's a wall separating you from the body. And the best you could do is put your ear to the wall to, to try to see what's going on on the other side of it. In in my work here, your awareness doesn't doesn't remain stuck in the head. It, drifts down through the body and comes to rest deep, deep within it. And when that happens, it's the sense of releasing the strength of your body with the breath as you, as you move the resistance. And it becomes really, really interesting then as you approach that moment of failure, because it's like this deep encounter with yourself and is there another resource? Can you can you dig deeper? And so I, you know, I play around with that moment of failure. I just love lingering there for the 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 depth of that particular exploration and the life of it. And so every workout, you know, truly is a spiritual practice for me. We're going to get into that as well as we continue here with. Uh with Philip Shepard. He is the co-author along with Andre Yakovenko, and uh, it's called Deep Fitness, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it is really a pleasure to have, um, you are not a doctor, correct? I it's am just, not. It's just Philip Shepard. You keep using the phrase um, uh, failure, the word failure. And what came to mind was that that point at that point is where we usually hear 
in trainings and in gyms, give me one more. And they give me one, give me one more. Give me one more. And then the other phrase is no pain, no gain. And it leads me to think that that is not the focus of this deep fitness training. It's when you get to that moment of, as you use the phrase failure, where the whole no pain, no gain might come in, but you don't go there. That is not the, that's not the goal. Is, am I, am I understanding that correctly? I, I would, I would uh, frame it. Yes, but I would frame it slightly differently. Okay. It is rather than using willpower, you are dropping into pure intention. And so, yes, there's pain, but, but it's not, it's not the result of battling, pushing yourself and, you know, the way you'd beat a donkey, you are, you are just in the experience as it's moving through. And there's, there's none of that uh, demand, the pushing, the, the, the grunting, it is, it is a release. And, and so there, I mean, there is pain, but you could also say there is aliveness. Do you know what I mean? It's just mm -hmm. a perspective. And, and it's a very intense workout. That's what makes it so effective. But I'd also like to say it's really, really safe. This mm. protocol of moving the weight slowly, it was, it was really developed for people with, with advanced osteoporosis. And, and the researchers were saying, you know, these, these people are getting weaker and weaker. How can we help them get strong safely? And so they tried this protocol where the participants were just moving the weight very slowly. Now, you, you know, when you reflect on that, you realize when there's no impulse, when there's no sudden force, the, the, the load on the muscles and the bones is, is even. There's no shock. And these elderly people with osteoporosis not only were able to exercise without injury, they got stronger much faster than would have been expected. And so the researchers said, well, let's, let's try this with some athletes. And there were a number of, of um, projects that were done. One of the best known is uh, the West Point Academy said, you know, we want our cadets to, to be as strong as effectively as possible. And they did, they did this massive study where one group continued the regular exercise as they would. And the other group did this very specialized training to failure. And they had over 60 markers of health, including flexibility and cardio and another 59. Um, on every single marker, the group that was doing the slow practice to failure did better than the group that was just doing their regular exercise routine. It's, it's a phenomenally effective practice. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned, of course, obviously the, the, the whole cycling thing <clears throat> and my, uh, my late father, uh, he would get on his exercise cycle there at the house. Uh, he and my mother used to go to the gym until he just wasn't able to, 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 to make the trip and so forth. So at least he was able to hop onto this and, and, and get a little exercise from that standpoint. Um, 
And my mother uh, is going back to the gym now after the passing of my father just recently. And it's uh, one of those things where the last time that I actually was in his presence uh, was about a year ago. And uh, yeah, he was 91 and he was uh, a little on the frail side, still sharp, <laughs> so sharp that I I, uh, I uh, tried to make a joke uh, one evening and he was not pleased. He asked a straight question and I thought I would be cute. And uh, I had to apologize for making the joke. And then, of course, I answered his question directly. Uh, and so he, he, you know, he didn't, he hadn't lost any of his, uh, his sharpness from that standpoint. Not, he was not a, an angry man or anything like that, but there were those times when, when he asked a question, damn it, he wanted an answer. You know, don't, don't play around here. My, now my brother, on the other hand, he could have probably gotten away with it because that's the kind of guy he is. And that's all right. That's all right. But I noticed too, that my mother who uh will be 89 in september of this year uh she wants to get back to the gym not just for the workout but there are friends there there's the connection talk to us about that aspect of deep fitness in terms of yes we'll we'll go buy the book We'll read through it. We'll learn the techniques. We'll learn some of the, the exercises and so forth, the, the practices, the training. But, you know, it's it's not as much fun doing it at home all by myself. We've been doing that for two and a half to three years, uh, staying at home. Uh, Philip, I need that that contact with other people. How important is that in this training? Uh, I, I'd say it's hugely important for a number of reasons. Um, so at Andre's gym, um, there is, you're always with a trainer. And the trainer is there encouraging you and watching your form and correcting you and timing you and helping you. And that relationship sustains you. When Andre started doing the workout himself, he didn't do it alone. He got a group of people and they, you know, so you, you, you're going to show up because they're waiting for you. And so, and so you come together and share it. Me, I, um, I go into the gym twice a week with my wife and that is our big date for the week going to the gym. And, you know, again, we, it's something we share. It, it's really hard in this culture to go it alone. Um, but if, boy, if you're there for someone else, if you're helping them and they're helping you and you're coming together, uh, you, you tend to do it. So, so in the book, we talk about this and we, you know, we, you can, you can do this, this workout at home just with your body weight, um, or you can do it in a gym, but boy, if you can, wherever you do it, if you can do it with a group of friends, you, it will help you sustain it. And, and it's a practice to be sustained throughout your life. There is no reason not to sustain it in your 80s and 90s. Should you should you get that far? Well, that's my plan. Um, I have <laughs> <laughs> joked, but it's actually in seriousness that I want to outlive my mother's mother, my great grandmother, who lived to be 100. Now. I made that statement back when I was uh, 34, 35 years of age. I'm now, I'm uh, fast approaching 63. And I'm just sitting here going, okay, 
Uh, I'd love to live another 40 years because there's still a lot I would love to do. There are still hundreds and thousands of people I want to interview and bring forth that information, such as what you are bringing forth uh, to uh, our listeners and our viewers uh, to hopefully change the world for the better. Um, And yet there's no guarantee. Today could be my day. Uh, You know, uh, my departure date may be today. I hope not. But if it is, I'm good. I'm good to go. Now, I know that, for example, and, and we're going to dive into an area here that I think is is really uh, relevant here. My sister who passed away last year, my eldest sister, um, I asked her in January. She passed at the end of March of 2022. I asked her in January on the phone. I says, are you ready? And she says, yes and no. And I'm, Jeanette, come on. Yes and no. No, no, no. You got to give me one. She says, no, because I don't want to leave my husband behind. behind. But she says, I'm ready. Now, she had a lot of diseases, okay, that were sort of maybe kind of cumulative over the years. And she was, I think, 64, 65 when she passed. And uh, she says, no, I'm ready. I'm not afraid. I'm ready to go. Now, when it comes to you and I, and you're, you say you just turned 70, and you don't look a day over 50. I'm going to tell you that right now. Uh, I would venture your wife would probably agree. Uh, and happily so, I'm sure. Uh, does this program, and again, this is not a diet, ladies and gentlemen, and this is not a, 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 a get fit quick fix uh, program. Uh, you know, this is something that's gradual. It took you years to get where you are. It's going to take you some time to get where you want to be. How about that? Do you think that this process, as you are adjusting, because this is kind of what you're talking about, as you are adjusting and optimizing the chemistry in your body through this process, that it helps us to better process this concept of our mortality, because I'll be honest with you, I know that there's all kinds of research going on about how to live forever kind of thing, maybe even transfer one's consciousness into a, a robot or something, which I, I'm not, um, I'm good with the life that I live, the mortality of this body, and then moving on to whatever's next. I don't want to be here for two, three, four hundred years. No, I, 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 I'm comfortable with the other. But do you think that that, helps to balance out and optimize the chemistry so that when we start thinking about some of these things that most people are afraid of, whether it be death or otherwise, that we don't get stuck in those things? I mean, wouldn't you say that you get the chemistry balanced and other things kind of follow? Well, yeah. You know, when you speak of fear, I mean, people fear death, people fear aging because of what we associate with aging, which is like dementia or osteoporosis, um, Alzheimer's, heart disease, cancer. I spoke of, of sarcopenia, the wasting of muscle with age. Sarcopenia is associated with every chronic disease of aging. And so if you can keep your muscles strong, And if you keep working them and creating those myokines, 
there's no, there's no, I don't know of any better um, way to, to keep your health and maintain it. And, and, you know, to me, that sense of a life lived fully, a life lived well is, is part and parcel or, or, or can be of our, our sense of vitality. And, you know, I mentioned I turned 70 a week ago today, and it was the first time in my life where I'd sort of balked at a number. Um, no problem with 60 or 50, but, but 70. And I finally, I finally realized that why it was sort of an irritant or a, a confusion for me was, was how can I feel this good if I'm 70? I mean, that's what it came down to. Um, but all my life I've worked to be fit and it had, it had become, can I maintain this fitness? And I, then I started doing this workout and suddenly it, it, it's, it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And the, the reason, you know, one of the main things it comes down to, you talk about the body's chemistry and, and how, how exercise can change it. At a cellular level, intensity does does phenomenal things to the body there's a there's a, a condition called hormesis which is sort of a survival strategy that has been um with us since since the world only knew single-celled animals and and what it is is we when when there is the right kind of stress the right hormesis the body goes into a phase of restoring itself. And, and what happens is that stimulates, it's, it's called um, autophagy, where, where you're actually, instead of, instead of um, just eating food, you start, to, you start to digest the debris in your cells that can interfere with with their efficiency, um, even at the level of mitochondria. So mitochondria are like the, the power packs of the body, they're organelles within each cell. And, and it's that, that intensity of exercise promotes the, the cleanup of, of the mitochondria. So, so you actually feel like you're getting younger. Mm. And, and that, that quality of going to failure is, is the trigger. And Andre will say, you know, when you're in a workout, you, you know, you're at failure and he'll, he'll say, you know, hold it there, hold it there because, because it's in the last 20 seconds or 30 seconds of that minute and a half or two minutes that the real gold is mine. Mm -hmm. My mind my psyche is 17 <laughs> and uh, I have to uh, remind my body that it's not. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now I am quite, I think the right word is I am very ambulatory. I think that's the right word. Yeah. I can get up, move around. Do I dance? No, I'm sorry. I, I don't, I, I really don't. I might move a little bit with the rhythm, but that's about it. Um, I have had minimal 
minimal surgeries on my limbs. Um, matter of fact, I, I would have to say the only one I've had is I had um, arthroscopic surgery on my right knee to uh, cut away torn meniscus, both interior and exterior. And that's it. And after that was done, I was walking around later that afternoon and it got better and better and better and better and better. Um, I have had some swelling in my left knee, but I've had nothing done to it. And I'm beginning to uh, go through the process, which I've done most of my life. of trying to figure out, okay, what's causing the swelling? What did I do? Was it uh, a little too much activity in this particular area? Did I jump from too high a level to where I compressed the tissues and it, it caused a little injury and so forth and so on? But I will tell you one of the things that really made the biggest difference for me more than anything else. And this sounds really strange to, to bring this up, but I, I there's part of me that feels we need to. I had in my shoes uh, these insoles with a little bit of arch support. And when I would go for walks, I would come back and, yeah, my knees would hurt a little bit and my feet ached a little. But, you know, it wasn't terrible. I thought, OK, you know, it's, I was just exercising. I was just walking, getting the cardio going. I changed to these gel insoles. I go walking now, nothing. Now I'm not, I'm not here promoting gel insoles. Don't get me wrong. What I'm promoting is the proper alignment. Uh, I used to go to a chiropractor and, and uh, this ties into the whole issue of proper alignment. I, I would use the analogy that the human body, its skeletal structure is wrapped with rubber bands. We can call them the ligaments, the tendons, the muscles. And what a chiropractor does, if you get out of alignment, is they go in there and they adjust your skeletal structure to a position that is normal. And hopefully the bands will remember and, and pop back into that position. It goes over a course of time. And it seems to me like that's where, when it comes to a lot of the physical issues, I'm not necessarily speaking biological, but we're now talking physiological, that if you're, uh, and I think it does start from the feet on up, if you don't have a, a proper alignment in the feet, everything else gets out of whack. And then you have all the aches and the pains and those issues. Does this Deep fitness help that process of getting back into and hopefully staying in alignment. And I'm not wanting to put the chiropractors out of business because I've benefited greatly. Uh, what, what, tell me, share me, share with us about that this aspect. Absolutely, and and uh, what it what it comes down to is an understanding of those elastic bands. Um, I don't know if you know that toy, the squishy. What it is is it's colored dowels um, of wood, and it's all held together by elastic bands. So um, you can squeeze it, and it pops back. But not none of the rod, wooden rods are touching each other. It's all held by by these rubber bands. Mm -hmm. Well, our body is similar. So when you talk about the skeletal structure, you know the the in the knee. The, the joint is actually floating, mm, mm -hmm. held by the fascia and the muscles so that it's not rubbing. It's, it's called biotensegrity, this, this principle. And the whole body works that way. Mm -hmm. And 
And what, what helps that floating is strong muscles that are in balance. And when your muscles are strong and in balance, you are aligned. And, and you know, personally, um, I have lived with little aches and pains, very familiar ones for long, long time, and they have disappeared. And my understanding is right. My, my, my body's muscles are strengthening and coming into balance, and I'm no longer um, grinding away in my joints. It's, mm. it's, it's floating. My muscles aren't overcompensating my, and pulling to one side. So, so you know, the, the workouts that are presented in the book, um, they work all the major muscles in the body and many of the minor ones as well. And boy, there, there are muscles we really, really neglect in our culture. You know that, that hunching that happens with age and you sort of get that hump in the back? Mm-hmm. So, so in the back, there are rhomboids that fall asleep and they grow slacker and slacker and the body just hunches. So in the book, there's this special exercise where you, I mean, the first step is just to feel them. So even if you can feel your shoulder blades moving together as though they were going to hold a pencil, that's, those are the rhomboids. And once you find them and strengthen them, you're, you're just held upright. And it's not, you know, there's a, a world of difference between tone and tension, muscle tone and muscle tension. Mm. And when a, when a body is toned, it just holds itself. Um, mm. The alignment just happens. I have uh, watched men and women uh, in advanced age states of aging here in Santa Barbara. Uh, fortunately, there aren't a lot, but I've seen a few who are hunched over. Now, my father didn't have a hump or anything, but he did. He had leaned forward and, 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 and was doing that. And it was difficult to give him a full body hug because he had that curve. Uh, but he still got around. He still moved around and, 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 and did his thing. Uh, and I, I have made the commitment to myself that I am not going to wind up like that. Now, my wife, every once in a while, she says, stand up straight. Stand up straight. You're hunched forward. And and so I will physically just I'll bend back and then I'll I'll walk straight and so forth. Uh, and I am conscious of it when I'm walking, for example, when I'm taking my, my little sojourn. But I also look at that from a, a psychological standpoint of these people who are hunched over. What burden have you been carrying for so long that if you just let that burden go? you might straighten up. Yeah. I think that my father's burden was that he, and he shared this with me in so many words, did not feel that he had any real role in our upbringing. And yet if he had been to our memorial, which I know he was, but if he had <laughs> been there in the flesh, the phrase that would epitomize every one of our comments as we shared about our father, I wouldn't be the person I am if it weren't for you taking nothing away from my father. So I, I think that's where his leaning forward came from was his, his 
lack of acceptance that he was making a difference in the lives of the people that he brought into this world with my mother. Is there a psychological or spiritual component to this deep fitness that we are talking about? And before you answer that question, we're talking with Philip Stevens. Uh, he is a co-author along with Andre Yakovenko of Deep Fitness. Deepfitness.life is the website. And you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I want to pick up where I paused there with you because uh, I want you to share with us this this aspect of uh, a is there a psychological slash spiritual component to deep fitness that might help us to, in addition to do the physical work, to unburden ourselves of some of these things that might even be a source of some of the discomfort and disease. Yeah, um, you know, I, I really liked what you said about if you could just shed that burden, you could maybe feel yourself standing a little taller. It it also happens in the reverse order. So if you can feel your strength, then you can you can let go of 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 what is seems too large to handle, too too heavy to. Uh, to um get rid of mm -hmm. uh, you know i've i've taken people through um workouts there was one woman i'm thinking of um she was doing the leg press and she had been through a very difficult time with cancer um and had been weakened by it and she got into the this was a machine she got into it and started pushing and the tears started flowing because suddenly she could feel strong rather than weak. Mm. And this huge burden of what it means to be sick and diseased was falling away from her. And she was coming back into her strength. It mm. was the most beautiful thing to witness. And, you know, I, I, I've, got a, I've got a friend who, who uh, is uh, 80 and has been going to Andre's gym. And you can see how her sense of self is getting stronger and more present and more upright um, since she started training at the gym. And I've talked with her about it, and she's confirmed that indeed she does feel that. Mm. There's there's all that, but then wow. there's also, you know, in in the in the practice itself, you know, when when in the course of our lives do we feel truly alive like vitally exuberantly alive and it in, in the way our lives go that happens so rarely and here i have the privilege of going to the gym twice a week and and welcoming that aliveness mm. and 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 my body yearns for it and that that for me is is an utterly spiritual, physical, mental embrace of life as mm. it is. Wow. Philip Shepard is my guest, along with Andre Yakov, uh, uh, Yakovenko and the authors, co-authors of Deep Fitness, the mindful science-based strength training method to transform your well-being uh, in 30 
just 30 minutes a week. And uh, we're talking about that here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and Philip Shepard is my guest, and we're talking about the work that he and his partner, um, uh, Andre Yakovenko, are doing. And um, it's quite a, a remarkable thing. We obviously hear right around the turn of each year, you want to lose the weight, you want to do this, you want to do that, you want to do the other, then go to this place, go to that place, do this, do that, do the other. I've never, ever been on a diet, uh, uh, Philip. However, a few years back, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. I knew how I'd gotten there, and it took me a month and a half to get back to normal sugar levels, glucose levels. My doctor was, he used the word, my doctor used the word miraculous. Doctors don't use those words. Okay. Uh, and and he had he had what was funny was he told me the story about one guy who came in there whose whose A1C was over the top as well as his uh, uh, blood sugar level and uh, it took him six months to get down to like uh, seven or something like that on the A1C deal. I got mine back down to five point seven in a month and a half because I knew how I had gotten there. First of all, I, I drank sodas. Haven't had one since the twenty third of July of twenty twenty almost three years i've switched to those sparkling water ice uh, sparkling ice flavored waters i love mixing them by the way great combinations i'll tell you what anyway uh and we had gone to comfort foods when we were told to lock down and stay home well what's in comfort foods sugars and carbs which turn into sugars so my a1c are you ready for this 11.2 good god and when he checked my blood sugar that after that day when he he tested 566 wow yeah i was still alive amazing but i got it down to uh, the 120s the 130s the 1teens within a month and a half by the way you know the typical medication metformin yeah. they told me to take two every day well after the first week and a half of testing my blood sugar which was going down 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 i thought you know what I want to see if the decrease is what I'm doing or the medication. So I went down to one and I stayed there until February of the following year. Now my blood sugar kept going down again until about September of, of that year. And uh, in February of 2021, he says, okay, go down to one. So I stopped taking them all together. The real irony was that I had just gotten, uh, let's see, 90, uh, 180, 270. I had 360 metformin pills, which I have not taken. I just have them. I'm going to be taking them to that big old giant blue box that we have at medical facilities to get rid of them, right? Yeah. Um, do you think that willpower is is one of the most challenging aspects of any program, the deep fitness program or otherwise that uh, people have not developed. And I, I say developed because I think that it is a, it is sort of a, shall we say psychological muscle um, because I see those commercials. I know you probably have them in Canada too, where they're advertising for lowering your blood sugar down to seven. What do you mean? Seven. I got it down to 5.7 in a month and a half, why do I need this pill? 
do you think willpower is the a lot of the times one of the biggest blockages? So here's my personal take on it. Um, that we think willpower is the way to achieve it and we beat ourselves up. If you can drop this truth down into your body and let it deeply resonate so the whole of your being feels what is needed, then intention is born within you and you, you don't need to beat yourself up or push yourself or make yourself do it. You just know and, and there's just one path and you follow it. That's, that's the way it plays out for me anyway. Mm. I, th I, I think people don't, you know, they have an idea of what they should do. And then that idea takes charge of the body and tries to make it do what it should. And to me, it's so much um, easier and more effective to go still and let that drop into your body and let it land and resonate and something clicks. And once that clicks, you're, you're on your way. There's a wonderful word from a wonderful science fiction novel called Stranger in a Strange Land. And you sort of allude to that. And that is to grok it. Yeah. I define it as to assimilate it into every cell of your being, the trillions. Yes. The yeah, trillions. I, yeah. Absolutely. It and it a, can be done. Yeah. Yeah. It can be done. We're talking with Philip Shepard, a co-author of Deep Fitness, deepfitness.life. That's L-I-F-E. We'll be linked to that website. And you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, uh, Philip Shepard is my guest here on the program. And uh, it's really been a pleasure to have an opportunity to talk with you. Would have loved to have your partner uh, in crime, so to speak, or in fitness. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Your partner in fitness uh, to talk and share his perspectives on deep fitness since he comes from more of the as you say, the scientific perspective, uh, and that's important too. And I know that that is also a challenge these days with people fighting science, you know, no, 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 it doesn't support my agenda. So it's wrong. And it's like, how about you test it out and see if it's really wrong? Why not try deep fitness? What, what is it gonna hurt? It's not gonna hurt. It might challenge you a little bit, but it's not gonna hurt. But you always, I'm sure would advocate you know, uh, check with your physician, you know, you know, before taking on any kind of a regiment, it's worth it. Do you and or Andre do any uh, uh, coaching or facilitating uh, online? Yeah, Andre does. Um, his his website is newelementtraining.com. And that's the name of his gym, New Element Training. Um, and yeah, he does, he does online coaching. He re it really took off as you can imagine during the lockdown. Oh yeah. Um, and it really benefited the book because he had hours and hours and hours of coaching people in their homes just with their body weight. And so there's a whole section in the book that has benefited from that really detailed instructions yeah. about how to, how to do this at home and get stronger and stronger. And it seems to me that there's no blood test, no fluid test, no body fat gauge or whatever the heck that thing is, uh, or any other uh, medical test that is going to uh, tell the individual who's participating in deep fitness that it's working for them other than what's going on up here and here. I completely agree. You, 
Uh, I mean, everyone I know who has done it talks about feeling better and mm. better and better, feeling their vitality just there, ready to go. I want to thank you for giving us so much time here on the program. Maybe next time we'll have you and Andre on the program to uh, to kind of uh, share back and forth a little bit more. But uh, first of all, congratulations on your uh, uh, recent uh, uh, 70th uh, 70th birthday anniversary of your birth, as it were. And uh, we hope that you, uh, if you choose to, my dad lived to be 91. If you choose to live to 100, if that's what you want, then more power to you. Uh, thank you. And to you too, Richard. Thank you so much. I do have three final questions that I like to ask all of my guests as we wrap up the program. Before I do, I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And uh, we are streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Our podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And we're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. If you'd like to support the work that we are doing uh, from a financial standpoint, we would greatly appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you to those who have helped and to those who will help. Uh, just go to PayPal, put in my email address, richard at richarddugan.com when they ask to whom you are going to send that uh, support to. And uh, also participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision where we ask you to spend that time, that quality time going within while you're doing the deep fitness routines and training uh, to uh, listen to that still small voice. And we hope that you will take time during the decade of perfect vision. With all of that said, let us go to our final three questions of which the first is who is Philip Shepard? Uh, um, I would say an adventure. I, I, life is an adventure and I just want to live it. I mean, when I was 18, I went to England, bought a bicycle and headed off for Japan. So that sort of set the course of my life. And that must have been a really wet uh, journey on a bicycle uh, going across the uh, ocean. There were a few oceans, <laughs> yeah, to, to deal with. But, but, we, but we made it. We made it. Uh, uh, you, you took a boat and you circled the upper deck uh, while you were traveling, right? It. There you go. That's it. What is your life's purpose? to help as many people as I can to come out of that prison of the head and drop into the body and feel the world through the body and come into harmony with it. And finally, what was your best day? Um, the day my daughter was born. I have two daughters. Each of them was my best day. The day my daughter was born is no question. Wonderful. Well, Philip Shepard, thank you again for joining us. Our best to Andre as well. And uh, we look forward to having a chance to talk with you again in the not too distant future. Uh, and maybe talk a little bit about some of the art that you do. I see there's an easel back there where you look like you do some painting. 
I would love to come back and talk about anything, Richard. Absolutely. Wonderful. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices, like deep fitness, to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal, Jeanette, I am listening, and Dad, be happy. <laughs>